We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. It's a big day, big day. Holiday cups are back at Starbucks. You know, I've been waiting for this day for months now. Where's Cam Newton in 2020? What about OBJ? Could he be elsewhere? Could he be on the move? An interesting report on Odell Beckham Jr.'s future. And also, can't wait for the dumpster fire 2019 Giants and Jets the game of the year for football fans in New York. Home and home at radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. That is enter. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Big show for you today. Nick Costos with us for the entire hour. We should do an over-under on curse words in the 8 o'clock hour. I'll set it at... 17, 17 F-bombs in the 8 o'clock hour of the over-under. 9 o'clock hour, Brad Evans joins us with fantasy football tips. 10 o'clock hour, at Beard Brand on Instagram. Check them out because Eric Bandholes, that's his website, his Instagram feed, and they're going to help us decide Movember Madness. We have a beard bracket all set up for the best facial hair in all of sports today. Let's bring in our friends, Ross Tucker, home in Pennsylvania, Nick Costos, otherwise known as Baker Mayfield with us for the entire hour. And you are a gambling man. Was the over under at F bombs right at 17 or was that low fellas? Yeah. Sharp. Yeah, sharp money is the over. So I think you may have, you may have said it a little, a little, a little short there at 17. Fuck face. Well, hold on a second. Is it, is it swear words or F words? There's a difference. I think he only uses one, doesn't he? So sometimes, sometimes shit ass is like whatever. Ass is like a colloquialism, is whatever. Fuck though is like you know how they say Budweiser is the king of beers, whether it's true or not. Fuck is the unquestioned king of swear words, and it's so versatile. It can be used in so many different ways. It could be used to describe something good, something bad. It really, it's the, it is by far the best word in the English language, not even close. I have a question about this. At what point, first of all. Where does the word, that word even come from? I'm not as comfortable at eight o'clock in the morning throwing it out there like, like Baker Costos. All right. So number one, where did the F word come from in the first place? Number two, who gets to decide what is or isn't a curse word? And like, when did that happen? Like, who's the guy that was like, no, you cannot say that on the radio. You can say this. That is a curse word. Like probably some douchebag Princeton graduate. <laughs> I was gonna say George Carlin, but uh, yeah, perhaps that probably is. someone and that went right. to Princeton in the Ivory Tower. I would say. <laughs> what am I, an etymologist? You know what? Where did fuck come from? I don't know. <laughs> now you know what, Nick. The guy that went to Princeton owns the company, and he had his guy that works for him that went to Fordham come up with the list. Great, he's still a douche. Douchey, douchey, douche. All right, you're already at six. Six <laughs> in four minutes. So my 17 was woefully, woefully low on over-unders for, even if it was just F-bombs, I think we're under that. But six total curse words. It was a strong start. Am I the only one excited about Starbucks holiday cups? You go and you get yourself a, a peppermint mocha, an eggnog latte. If you do that today, you get a free, reusable holiday cup. What's wrong with you? But what, what what is like? I you know I'm not. I don't want to judge. But like this is the kind of this is the kind of shit that you get excited about in the fucking peppermint mocha cup at Starbucks. What are they paying you, Dave? Like fucking like well, I don't understand. Who gives uh, it? So number like, one, like, that that looked like a commercial, and number two, Dave, you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like next next <laughs> Dave's gonna tell us why the sweater is at the gap you need to buy for the holiday season. That's up next. Dave, you you could be Dave, you could legitimately yeah. be like a, a commercial endorser. That was like like the way you smiled and you had it like this in your hand towards the camera. By the way, you know what this is right yeah. now? Fantastic what? audio for the people that are listening only. <laughs> this is fantastic. They don't need to see this, the holiday cut. This, this is how you rack up the listeners. By doing hand gestures and showing cups from Starbucks. I am excited. I've got a peppermint mocha rock in there. I'm very happy. I can't be as happy as Nick Costos or as excited as Costos for what's been labeled the dumpster fire 2019 by the New York Daily News. Costos, as a gambler, as a Giants fan, how jacked up or how just flat out bummed out are you by that pending match, Clash of the Titans? I'm excited for it. You know why I'm really pumped for it, guys? Because I'm going to root for the Jets. I may buy a Jets hat and wear a Jets hat on Sunday for the game. I can't wait. I am going to root against my own team like I used to root for them when I was like 15 years old. Um, Ross, what, what, what years did you play in the NFL? I'm asking this question for a reason. 2001 through 2007 season. Okay, cool. Because I was going to say, like, I, in 1999... I didn't know if you were on the Bills at that point in 99 or not. The Giants beat the Bills 1917 in a game where Carrie Blanchard kicked like five field goals. And I actually was in tears during the game because I thought the Giants were going to lose the game. And my grandfather, God rest his soul, turned and looked at me and was like, you really got to get a grip, kid. Like the game's not even over yet. And it's like a meaningless freaking like regular season game. I love the New York Giants. Like 15-year-old me hates 36-year-old me. But 36-year-old me actually has a brain. I'm going to be rooting really hard for the Jets on Sunday, guys. And I'll take it a step further. Any self-respecting Giants fan needs to be rooting for the Jets and any self-respecting Jets fan needs to be rooting for the Giants because both fan bases should want both head coaches blown out and get the hell out of town because they're both absolute clowns, slapdick frauds. So I want the Giants to get embarrassed. I'm going to be rooting really hard for the Jets and Jets fans should be rooting hard for the Giants. So I think this is a really unique sociological experiment with this game on Sunday where both fan bases should be actively rooting for their own team to lose. That's what's going to make me happy on Sunday. If the Giants get absolutely embarrassed, that will constitute a good Sunday at MetLife, the Death Star of stadiums, that piece of shit fucking gray-ass motherfucking stadium that they built on fucking greed. These clowns, the Maras and the Tishes and Woody and Christopher Johnson, what a bunch of idiots. They both deserve to lose. It should really end in a tie, but since I'm selfish and a Giants fan, I hope the Giants lose and I hope they get killed. I hope it's embarrassing. Let me, let me ask you this, Nick. In all sincerity... Um... Do you think Jets or Giants fans should feel better about the state of their franchise moving forward? Oh, man. I don't know, man. I I guess kind of the I guess I guess Giants fans only because like John Mara's proven to be a clown, you know, um you know, it's a, I, I feel like when, when his dad Wellington passed away, Wellington's like one of the godfathers of the NFL. When his dad passed away, when Wellington Mara passed away, like kind of like John Mara had you know, Ernie Accorsi, and he had Jerry Reese, and he had Eli Manning, so it was all kind of there for him. Every decision he's made has been fucked up, whether it's sticking by Josh Brown, who was a domestic abuser when he was the kicker for the team, whether it's, you know, the botched handling of Eli's benching when McAdoo was coach. But at least, like, John Mara, like, you can at least argue, I think would be an incorrect argument, that John Mara at least has, like, a somewhat of a resume of success as Giants owner. I, I would say it's bullshit, but at least you could say it. You can't say that about the Johnsons. Certainly not about the, the, the younger Johnson who's running the team now while Woody's off, you know, cavorting, doing shit for, the, for, for President Trump. So I, I guess it's Giants fans, but I don't know. I think both are kind of disasters. I think both teams kind of suck, and I think both teams are going to suck for a while, unfortunately. You know what's funny? I saw this quote today. You guys will appreciate this from Pat Shermer, who I like, by the way. I know Pat a little bit, and I like him. I almost, be a good he guy. Almost Terrible coach. He almost referenced me in a quote. Now, I don't know why he's even talking about this, but here's the quote according to Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News. Shermer appeared to be upset about the fact that Daniel Jones ran into a mic uh parabolic Mike guy on the sideline. Here's Shermer. There was one, he went out of bounds. He got waylaid by some guy with a boom mic, Pat Shermer said. I don't know what you do about that. Those guys have to be a little fitter and get the heck out of the way. <laughs> now, we talked about this on Tuesday. 
Cosmos, I don't even know if you know this, oh, but no. I was right there. I saw it. I, I was watching the game. I saw Daniel it. Jones on my forearm and on and my forearm is still a little sore and on my hip, but my elite athleticism, I was able to high step, use the, it's really contact balance as much as anything else and <laughs> able to stick the landing. I kind of helped Daniel Jones up. I helped the parabolic Mike guy up. And I pushed what him out of the way because I wanted to get in the fight that was right in front of me. There's a picture of me about two feet away from the fight, smiling ear to ear. But, like, I just think it's funny, number one, that Pat Shermer's at a press conference talking about that. Number two, the the boom mic guy didn't waylay Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones flipped and killed the boom mic guy after Xavier Woods pushed him. So on, on, a, on a million different levels – this is ridiculous. How uh, how hard does it get your dick that you were involved in that on Monday night? And wh- what do you mean? That like that like that like that scrum happened right next to you, and you got to help them up, and like we're talking about it now. Like, how excited does that make you? Be honest. I I, I loved One it. One to ten. I loved it. it was I would great. love it too. I appreciate you, know you admitting it. I would love it too. I have I have a big regret. I have a big regret. And Dave Briggs is the one. Dave, I'll let you explain it. No, I mean Costos. He had a moment. We, we all only get like one moment in life. I'll probably never get one. I mean, I'm honored to be here with you guys. But you get really one moment in life. You look like a Ken doll. And, you, have, you, have, you have one big <laughs> moment, Dave. You son of and, a bitch. And R- Ross's moment, Costos, was the cat. The black cat is on the field. Ross Tucker captures that cat. He is a freaking legend. Never even ran through his mind. Never even occurred to him. What do you make of that? Nah. I fuck the cat. I hate the cat. I hate shit like that because then it's like, well, now all the Twitter comedians come out and it's like all people are going to talk about for like three days because people are fucking dumb. Who fucking cares that a cat was on the field? This is what people are obsessed I do. with. The f- why? But why? Just wait. Dave, Dave Briggs, comma, peppermint mocha cups at Starbucks and fucking black cats. Get the fuck out of here, man. Who gives a shit about the fucking black cat? Fuck the fucking Dude, cat. The, you know what I care about? Game. My team fucking sucks. And Pat Schirmer's an idiot. I don't care that he's your friend. He sucks. He's a terrible coach. You know what he should be more worried about? His timeout usage. Fucking, or, or punting the ball down two scores in the fourth quarter twice in a month because he's a fucking moron. He should be fired. He sucks. I want him off my team. Great guy, I'm sure. Hope he has a great life. But don't want him within fucking. I wouldn't let him mow my lawn, much less coach my team. How about that? Costos, Costos. First of all, you definitely don't have a lawn, okay? Secondly, right. (laughs) Secondly, you have to admit, Dave's right. I wouldn't have been able to catch the cat. But even if I just ran on the field and tried to scurry the cat off of it, how legendary, like. How much pub do you think I would have gotten for me, for my social media handles, at Ross Tucker NFL, by the way, for this show, Home and Home? Like, that could have taken me to another level. Dave is right. It's a huge missed opportunity. People would have been like, dude, that guy's crazy. You're a goofball. Why? I would have been on, like, the Today Show and shit explaining why I ran on the field to try to get the cat off the field. That is a missed opportunity that will haunt me the rest of my life. Do you not agree that I would like people to be like, what the fuck? Why is Ross Tucker on the field chasing the cat? Like, what is going on right now? Like, do you not agree that that was a huge missed opportunity? I mean, I guess like in the sense that maybe like you're right that like you would have been able to do all that other shit. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be candid with you, and this is gonna sound like pandering. This is just me being honest. I think you're pretty cool as it is, and I think you're already pretty badass. So who gives a shit? The fucking stupid fucking cat. You're already awesome at the jobs you do. And that's it. And I like you already, so I don't even fucking care about the shit. So as far as I'm concerned, it it means it does nothing for me. It moves my own personal radar zero, zero percent. Don't give a shit. So for me, it does nothing. I like it a lot more when you insult each other. I'm I'm not a fan of when you got when you compliment uh, the prince. By the way, I'm just being honest. If I wanted to insult him, I would insult him. Hold on a second, Dave. (laughs) Do you want to read this black cat update, or can I? Or do you? Or should? No, go for it. Like, because this there is, is one. where we yeah. are. This is where, have you seen this, Costos? This is where we are as a care. society. No, I don't, I don't okay? care. Well you, well, you, well, you guys are promoting this, this bullshit. Not me. I love You the guys cat. are into it. No, no, no. Evidently, Costos, you're going to appreciate this. Evidently, mm-hmm. there are people that are like really upset and or concerned about this cat. Tuesday, this is from MetLife Stadium. Tuesday morning, 
We set multiple humane traps throughout the stadium and searched long and hard for the black cat to no avail. At that point, we brought in our friends at Puppy Kitty NY City, a trap, neuter, release, and no-kill shelter to assist with the search. We are hopeful that together we can find the black cat that we all fell in love with Monday night. There have been erroneous reports in the media that MetLife Stadium houses and feeds 300 cats, which is simply not true. From time to time, we have seen cats on the complex and the Meadowlands racetrack located at the sports complex has a TNR program in place and currently feeds approximately 30 barn cats. We are grateful for the outpouring of support and will continue to work with Puppy Kitty NY City to try to locate the black cat. End statement. Okay, um, this might get me fired. I'm going to say it anyway, okay? Is it horrible if I point out that where I live in Pennsylvania and where my wife's from, especially when they saw the eyes of that cat and it looked like it had rabies, that their solution would be to shoot the cat and kill the cat and it's over. Like, is it wrong if I point that out that my wife, her mom, forget even the men in the family, but my wife, her mom, and for sure, for sure both grandmothers would take out a shotgun or a rifle. They would look, they would shoot the cat, the cat would die and be right there and they wouldn't even go pick it up. They would smile and be happy, and they would know some other animal would go eat that cat, and that would be life. That's that. That is where I live. That is Has really any, where my wife. Is that horrible, or is that just yes. the natural well, state of man or woman? I, I I have a feeling Costas is okay with that. Has anyone in your family? No, it's not okay. It's it's yes, it morally, ethically appalling. Has anyone no, in your family right. killed a cat? I have no comment on that. Oh, my God. Now, I mean, I'm not talking about humanely, like, putting a cat down when they're old. Has anyone in your family killed With a, shotgun. a cat? With a shotgun. Uh, what by family, do like you it's mean fucking Halo. Blood, blood relation or in-law relation? <laughs> what Ross is trying to say is that his wife's family are, are animal killers. Well... Costos, no, no, let me just say this. I'll, I'll just say Tucker this. Dave, Dave lives in, in, in Rich Boy, Connecticut. Nick lives in New York. I think this is a good point. Like, when people discuss topics on TV shows, right, the TV shows are all in New York or L.A. And I'm just here to tell people that a large part of the country, believe it or not, I know we all saw, saw coming to America, oh, the land is so vast. The, the place is so big. Do we go to L.A. or New York? Like, there's a whole lot of the United States that's not New York, and they're not L.A., and they don't give a shit. That black cat looked like it had rabies. It's on my property. That black cat is dead. That's a dead cat, okay? That is how it works in a large portion of the United States that's not New York, Connecticut, and L.A. The cat is dead. It's a dead cat walking. Dude, you already hated pets, don't have a dog, have no heart, and now cat killer. I no, mean, he's, like, he's not a cat killer. Who wants to? I, how about I wouldn't yes, kill the cat, but I, but I wouldn't he's help He's a it. cat killer. Do you have I, a I, 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 I ain't helping that state. animal. That's the kind of animal that would, bur- that would be burned at the stake in Salem, Massachusetts back in the day. I want nothing to do with that fucking cat. By the way, you know what was great about that thing that Ross just went through? It started off as the worst thing I've ever heard with that press release that made it like a child was missing, like a human being was missing. It's a fucking cat. Who fucking cares about the fu- This is what people, like there are people who like have like problems in their own lives and they're trying to like, they're obsessed with finding this fucking cat. How about you fucking get on the treadmill and do something or make a salad 
for yourself or do something to better your own life. Call your mom, call your kid, do something to benefit your own life or a human being that you care about instead of worrying about this fucking cat. So that part was terrible. And then he gets into the thing about his wife, about his wife's family. I thought that was absolutely great. Now, would I ever kill a cat? No. But do I give a shit about it? I don't. You know what? I, if I saw a cat that looked like it had rabies, I, I'm not saying I would kill it, but I wouldn't help it. I'd get the fuck out of there. Fuck that hey, fucking cat. Let me ask you guys Who this. Cares? It's let a fucking cat. This. It's not a human. All right. Let me ask you this. Costos, let's pretend that you're very successful, as you will be, because you're a star. I told you that. And you have a nice yard somewhere. And there's a bunny rabbit or a groundhog eating your nice flowers in your yard. And Dave, I'll go to you first on this. What do you do, Dave? If What would you do if you saw a bunny rabbit or a groundhog eating the nice flowers in your, in your well-manicured Connecticut yard? Very different answers. Bunny, cute, adorable. Uh, not going to do anything with that bunny. Nothing you really can do. They're so damn fast. Uh, well, so we draw the line of animal murder based on if the animal's cute yep. or not, Dave. So if the animal's cute, Absolutely. it gets to live. If it's ugly, it gets murdered. Okay. So just want to make sure well, so, that the, the moral police that we're so, on the right side of this one. Okay. Right, right. So uh, Groundhog uh, does sneak into my yard, and I have tried on several attempts to smash its skull with a giant rock unsuccessfully. Um, what? A lot of people. That's more Dave. of a shock. Dave, Dave, that is one of God's creatures. Yeah, Dave. That is a completely Dave. harmless groundhog. And there are people probably that have groundhogs as pets. And frankly, no. I am shocked and appalled. That, <laughs> they that, are, that changes things for us. What kind of human being are you, Dave? Smash the skull of a beautiful, chubby, furry groundhog. Wow. I'm really upset right now. I'm really First off, I'm really taken aback. First off, it's it's where I, where I draw the line is are they domesticated pets or not? It's not about cuteness. It's domesticated pets, which groundhogs are not. That cat's not a domesticated and, cat. That cat was not a domesticated pet. That cat had crazy eyes and rabies and lives below MetLife Stadium. It should be a de dead cat, according to people I know, not me. According to people I know. And if I could finish one point, at least with the rock the animal has a fair chance. I would never shoot. I like, I don't hunt because I just, it's, it's not a fair sport. Don't justify like, it. How, how awesome do you feel shooting an animal? That's literally like sitting there. I don't, I don't understand like that. I have a lot of friends and family who are hunters. I just don't understand like bow and arrow. That's hunting, man. That is hunting. At least that is a sport. And with the rock, at least the groundhog has a sporting chance. Whereas if I have a gun, that's not sporting. I want a little competition, fellas. Maybe that, is where you should draw the line. This is Lord of the Flies. I mean, this is some sick shit that you got. I want nothing to do with any of this shit. Dave, you just basically justified smashing an animal in the head with a rock. The animal, it would be better to shoot the animal in the head with a, at least, like, it's like, it's like anyone ever asks you, how would you rather die? Would you rather be shot or would you, like, would you rather shoot someone or stab someone? But you know what? This is actually true. NFL teams ask players this. NFL players have told me this. Ross, maybe you can speak to this, right? That at the combine, they ask you questions like, if you had to kill someone, would you rather kill them with a gun or a knife? And anyone with like any semblance of a fucking heart or like morality says a gun, right? Because you just pulled the trigger and the person's dead. A knife, you got to stab the person. You got to deal with blood. It's more visceral. It's more personal. I'd rather shoot an animal than smash it in the head with a rock. Holy shit, Dave. You're a fucking sadist. My can God, I you're say a psychopath. So, uh, now to justify Dave. it. Not only that, you must have a lot more time on your hands than I do. You want to run around your yard with a rock trying to smash a groundhog? Said, first of all, that will never happen. You will never get it. So you, you've A, never done that, and B, you would never accomplish it. You're just wasting it. time. And, and B, Nick, is it bad that I would go with stabbing? I would yeah. go with stabbing. Yeah, it's bad. Um, you got a lot of you got a lot of aggression issues. Yeah, it's bad. No, bad. I'm just saying, Thank like, you. if it got to the point where I had to kill somebody, this for is not a the reason, scenario. Like, it's not the scenario. It's you can either shoot someone. It's just not like we're not like, like this. Is, the scenario is you kill this person, you either shoot them or stab them. It's not like oh my god, like it's hand to hand combat for the death, and like your family's life is on the line, and there's a knife there. That's not what it is. It's no, no, no. Here's knife. what I would tell you: you. if I if if I'm killing someone. 
There's a reason for it. And I don't want to just shoot them. I, I would rather t- I would rather stab them over and over and yeah, over you're a again. Sick fuck. Yeah, because you're a sick fuck. Yeah, because I'm telling them for yeah. some Because you got you Dude. got anger issues, bro, and that's okay. I'm not judging. I don't you, have you. anger issues, but oh, if I want to kill somebody, I want to get my money's worth. Yeah, you might have anger issues. You might. Oh, okay. <laughs> we agree do. on this. You have some serious deep rooted issues, brother. I mean, yeah, it's yes. True. I love you, but okay. it's true. But that was clear dysfunctional behavior, but um, we enjoy it. It makes for you great radio. You don't think radio. it would feel good? You don't think a no. little bit of it would feel good when that blade goes into the skin? You, Dude, you no. are a sick-ass <laughs> motherfucker. You are a sick fuck, man. I like it. Don't get me wrong. And I'm sick, too, just in different ways. You are a sick fuck. And also, fuck the cat. <laughs> If you're wondering, Nick Costos is at 24, 25 <laughs> minutes in. So just about one a minute. And I'm actually surprised we didn't exceed the one per minute total. I'm sure we can get there. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, load management. Is it a major problem for the NBA that the two best players in the league were supposed to square off and one of them just decided he needed a load management night off. So I went to sleep. Who needed to watch that game? Ended up being pretty good. But we'll talk about how big a problem that is for the NBA and Kawhi Leonard in just a sec. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, we should probably go ahead and change how we describe that because I think of something different every time this topic comes up. Uh, but yet here we are. Maybe we can <laughs> hire someone. That Ross can is trying come to say that he's thinking about porno. Term. That's what that's what Ross is saying. He's trying to use yeah, pornography. We, can we can we please <laughs> too, come up with way. a different term for this than load management? Yeah, here's how I manage somebody. my loads: one per day. That's my load management: one per day. <laughs> I'm gonna hire somebody to come up with a different term, just like Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner did. She needed a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. That's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I can't believe it after Nick Costos just said load management one a day. I mean, that is terrific job getting through that read. I about pissed my pants. Well job. <laughs> well done, Nick Costos. Why are we talking about load management? Because the top two players in the NBA, a potential NBA finals preview was all set for LA. I was set to stay up and watch this outstanding game between the Bucks and Clippers. And of course, Kawhi Leonard had to take the night off because it was the second night of a, or it was the first night rather of a back-to-back. The second time in a week he's had to take off a national televised game for load management. Now that's against the rules in the NBA. They fine you $100,000, your organization, $100,000, unless you have some sort of, well, reasonable excuse. And apparently... The Clippers have just that. The NBA says Kawhi Leonard is not a healthy player under the league's resting policy and as such is listed as managing a knee injury in the LA Clippers injury report. That's what the NBA says about the first or second best player in the NBA taking off another night and he will take off more than 20 nights this year in the NBA season and fans are pissed and they have every reason to be pissed 
how many fans bought tickets and paid way above market value a couple of weeks ahead of time because they knew they were getting to see Kawhi Leonard against Giannis, the two best teams in the league, arguably. And I'm sure the TV ratings took a a fairly major dip as well. Uh, Ross, minister of common sense this for me. What should the NBA do, or rather, what should the fan do to combat this? So, uh, this is really bad. I mean, you know, they used to at least not do it when it was a nationally televised game. I think this is like the second nationally televised game this year that Kawhi hasn't played in. Like, what the hell is going on? Here's, you know what I really care about, Dave? And I know it's bad for the fans that buy the tickets. We can get into that, okay? But Costos will be with me on this one. I care about me. And I care about my entertainment, okay? So, new rule. If the game's going to be on my TV right here, you play. If it's going to be on my TV, you have to play. If it's not on my TV, I don't really care as much. I really don't. Um... I will say this, though. What happened? Like, in the 80s and 90s, when I grew up and I was a huge NBA fan, I love the Sixers, right? First of all, Charles Barkley and Rick Mahorn used to beat the shit out of people. They used to play the Pistons, and it was a guaranteed fight. Like, you would go to the Sixers-Pistons game because you couldn't wait for Barkley to punch Lane Beer in the nose. Like, you're yeah. like, Dad, when is Barkley going to punch Lane Beer in the nose? I've been watching for three quarters now. It'll come soon. Just wait till there's a hard foul. Okay. All right. Like, and they used to play every game. I don't understand how these are the best conditioned athletes we've ever had, like the sleep studies and the nutrition. And yet in baseball, pitchers can't even pitch five innings, whereas they used to pitch complete games or seven or eight innings all the time. And NBA guys play like like every fourth night they skip. I get the NFL having less contact with the head and less contact in practice. Although even back in the day, training camp used to be all kinds of different. But I can almost understand more like the less physical hitting for injury prevention. And I guess it's the same thing in baseball and basketball. It's just kind of crazy to me. And I think it's especially problematic for the NBA when it's on national television. What about you, Costos? What about you as a fan? What about you as a gambler? Um, It's the pussification of America, to Ross's point. Like, Ross just read a fucking statement about the fucking cat. Like, this is what we've come to as a society. People are getting it. It's just, it, it, I don't even fucking like, I don't even like like to pay attention to shit like this. So as, as from the gambling perspective, it's whatever. As long as they announce it far enough in advance, it doesn't fuck shit up. It's it, it then like, if, if I bet on the, like the, um, the Clippers actually covered last night, the Bucks were and actually, I got a text from our buddy, Dave Sharapin, um, who's odds maker at CG technology, um, texted me last night that when all this shit went down, a better put $50,000 on the Bucks minus six and a half and they won by five. So they didn't even cover the spread. So that's shitty for that guy. As long as it's announced in advance and like the line's able to move, then like then I'm okay with it. But like if they're announcing like an hour before tip off, then obviously we got an issue. Um, I think the NBA season's too long. I, I it's hard to kind of like look. It's a yes. problem. It's hard. It's hard to bang on these teams though, right? Like look what the Raptors did last year. Kawhi played in 59. I'm not 100. Either 59 or 60 games, one of the two. He missed 22 regular season games last year because of load management. They won an NBA championship. So it's like. Who cares that he didn't play in those 22 games? They won. Like, that's the ultimate goal. Like, they won the championship. That's the point of the whole thing. I don't blame the teams for doing it. It's all about winning. And if other teams are going to do it, like if the Lakers are going to rest LeBron James, then if you're the Clippers, why would you play Kawhi Leonard just to make fucking idiots like me and Ross happy that are watching the game? Like, I get it, Ross. I'm with you. Like, I want to watch, be entertained also. But if you're these teams, like, you got to do what's in the best interest of your team. The regular season's too long. Like, who really is watching the NBA right now? Like, at, like, in an intense basis when, like, the NFL and college football are in full swing and college hoops just started. Make it a 50-game NBA season. Like, the season's too long. Cut the season down. That'll take care of a lot of it. They're never doing games. that. Like, when people talk about that or, like, baseball, they're never doing that because of the money. Like, 
they're, they're not in the business. Of being like, oh, you know what we should do? We should do 30 less games. So we get a lot less from our season ticket holders, a lot less local revenue for local television. They're never going less games. Michael Jordan, nine times. Nine times Michael Jordan played 82 games. This is a current day problem, not anything we used to experience in the heyday of the NBA and Jordan and Magic. And quite frankly, we really even haven't seen it a lot with LeBron James, which is stunning. The guy is turning 35 next month, 17th season. I would imagine later this year, it will be a problem with LeBron James because he's going to need some nights off. I agree with you, Costos. Shorten the NBA season. That's the only solution. And as a fan, Look, frankly, my only advice is common sense. Don't go. Don't go to NBA games because if the NBA attendance is impacted by this, then they're going to want to do something about it. The other thing they're going to want to change is the television ratings because they were off last year considerably because LeBron James is playing out there in California and now Kawhi Leonard is playing in California. So once the TV renewal deals come back up and the national numbers are taking hit year after year after year, then you might see the NBA actually do something about it, Costos. Well, Dave, it goes like deeper than even all this shit. Like here locally in New York, you know what people are up in arms about? That R.J. Barrett, who's 19 years old, was playing like 40 minutes a night. Oh, my God, it's too much. How can you put this kid out there for that long? He's fucking 19. He's getting paid millions of dollars to play in the NBA. He's like the one good player on the team. Like, I get stunned on a regular basis, and I think to myself, like, this, this is the shit that people are getting worked up over. Like people are really spending time in their days where I'm sure, and this is not a criticism, everyone's life could use a little tweaking and a little improving, including mine, right? There are people that are getting upset about where the fucking MetLife cat is and how many minutes a 19-year-old kid is playing, not like in some sort of forced labor, but in the NBA. This is what people are getting upset over. Okay. Okay. It's a society thing. This shit is so beyond fucked. Who fucking cares? The whole thing is so fucking stupid that I feel like my IQ drops when I ever, whenever I listen to shit like this. It's unfuck. Who cares? He's a fucking kid. Let him go out there and fucking play. He's the only good player on the fucking team is a Knicks fan. He should play 40 minutes a night. And like as far as the Clippers go, I don't blame the Clippers for doing it. Don't hate the player, hate the game. The NBA is stupid for the way they have the whole thing set up. The NBA should do something about it. It's not the Clippers' fault. It's not the Clippers' responsibility to entertain me and Ross Tucker. It's the Clippers' job to win a championship. And they're going to give themselves a better chance to do it by sitting Kawhi Leonard. Period. End of story. That's it. And yeah, it's Very not the way true. it used to be, but it is the way it is now. And that's it. It's a different It's a different ball game now. Don't go. Don't watch. Maybe the NBA will do something about it. Even if they find him, Steve Ballmer's the richest owner in the NBA. He don't give a damn about a $100,000 fine. By the way, the books are freaking unbelievable. I'm going to say pencil them into the NBA final. They will dominate the Eastern Conference. Giannis, the first player with 200 points, 100 rebounds, 50 assists, 50 assists, first eight games. And the guy was blowing up threes last night. He is a pleasure to watch. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, shift to college basketball, whiny Jim Bayheim complaining about taking on a tough conference opponent for the season opener for Syracuse. Also, Cam Newton, where is he in 2020? And why did Baker Mayfield shave twice on game day? We're back after a quick break. Nick Costos and Ross Tucker. College basketball season tipped off with a beauty. The best start to any season in any sport anywhere right now. Number one, there's number two, Michigan State, Kentucky. Number three versus number four, Kansas and Duke, all at Madison Square Garden two nights ago. It was outstanding. Kentucky and Duke rolled, even though both teams looked a bit sloppy and clearly have a long way to go before they justify those rankings. Great to start. With the four best teams, the four biggest stars in the game, which are the coaches and four of the signature programs in college basketball at MSG. But apparently starting under the spotlight is not cool with Jim Boeheim, the Hall of Fame coach of Syracuse. Cues came out at home 
arguably against one of the better teams in the country, the defending champion, Virginia Cavaliers, and they were smoked. 48 for Virginia. Here's the kicker. 34 points for Jim Beheim's Syracuse Orange. 34 points, an entire game. They shot 23% from the field, 17% from three-point range, and they shot 43% from the line. I could shoot 43% from the line left-handed. That is an embarrassment. No, you couldn't. ACC team. Uh, yes. Yes, I absolutely no, you could. I, I bet no, you, you couldn't. I bet you, by the way, that uh, Ross Tucker, three-point shooter, douche, douche. douche. Let, me let, let, me listen. douche. let me let you guys hear Jim Beheim whining afterwards. You know, from a coach, I wish we'd have won. So when I say it, what I'm going to say would matter. But when you lose, nobody wants you know, you never want to play the league games early. It's stupid. It's just a money grab. They got scheduled games for TV, for the TV contract, so you got to play games early. And then somebody had the brilliant idea of opening up the first game with a league game. I, I just don't think it's good. I don't think it's smart. Um, you want to build up the league. The league's the most important thing. So why would you play the first game of the year in the league? makes no sense to me, but that's... Just what happens when you go to 20 games and somebody wants you to play early. That's what happens when you're trying to grow the audience, make the sport popular up against the NFL and start with the bang and get some attention. Tucker, 23% from the field, 17% from three, 43% from the line, and Jim Beheim has to whine about it. I love starting strong, getting some attention and momentum. Who cares if you lose? You learn where you're at. What do you make of the whininess there? Yeah, I mean, I, th- those are things that are much better said before the game and or after the game if you win. After the game, when you lose, and, and to his credit, he said this, you you really just sound like a whiny bitch. I mean, you, you really just sound like, eh, I got news for you, Jim. I don't really care when that game was played. I don't think your Orangemen are beating Virginia. Uh, and I think they probably shoot about that well because that's what Virginia's defense does to you. There's a reason why they won the national championship. And by the way, Jim, a big reason – why you get as much money as you get is because of television. So it always cracks me up when these coaches talk like, oh, they're just doing this for television. Television is what primarily pays your salary, bro. You should want the sport to be more popular. You should want to start the the year with a big game that gets people's attention early get some excitement and buzz around college basketball, unlike waiting till after the Super Bowl when people actually pay attention so that maybe you guys get better ratings and maybe you can get more money. Like, that's how it works, bud. You're going to play them anyway. If they think it helps the, the, the conference and college hoops to play early, then play them early. You're not, you're not beating them anyway. I got news for you. Costos? Um. I like whenever Syracuse loses because the the Syracuse circle jerk that goes on in the media every year is really like it, aggravating, and I don't want to listen to it ever. So when if I'm cool with Syracuse playing Virginia, they should play Virginia ten times to start the season and start zero and ten because then we don't have to fucking hear about them every February, March with every media member in Syracuse. Oh my God, Syracuse gone to the fucking tournament. Fuck you. No one fucking cares. Fuck Syracuse. Um, I don't blame Jim Beheim though, man. Like he's right about that though. Like he's forget about the TV shit. Like. Conference play, like if you got to play the defending national champions, you don't want to play them in the first game of the year. Like it's one thing for like Kansas to play Kentucky in the first game of the year, right? Or whatever it was, Kansas played Duke. Like that's one thing, right? Because they don't play in the same conference. So it's like that's not something that could potentially hurt them, right? When it comes to tournament time, Syracuse losing to Virginia in the first game of the season because I don't have time to kind of settle into the season. That's something that could potentially hurt them. So like on one hand, I don't care because it's fucking Syracuse. On the other hand, Bayheim's kind of got a point, but like I get it also with the TV shit. I think it just kind of is what it is, but like I don't blame him for feeling that way. Would you be happy if you were the coach of a team and they're like, oh, game one of the season, you have a conference game. And by the way, not only is it a conference game, but you got to play the fucking defending national champions. I wouldn't be happy either. I don't blame him. I think you make a great point about the impact of potentially missing out on a tournament because of a conference loss. That's something maybe they should look at a little bit. It just sounded like 
just a whiny coach pissed that his team looks awful, looks like a JV group. That is, and, and I am with you. I, I will admit my bias. I am sick and tired of the Q's dominated media. I very much enjoy when Syracuse loses basketball games and does not make the NCAA tournament. Nothing against Jay, Jim Beheim. He's a Hall of Famer, just not a fan of Syracuse as a whole. Hey, we don't want to run out of time before we get some gambling picks from you, Costos. Um, so let's have both you guys weigh in, and let's start with the Thursday nighter. Chargers and Raiders, uh, boy, Oakland has been fantastic. Carr has played well. He was the number one graded quarterback on PFF uh, for week nine. Josh Jacobs has just been unbelievable. Speaking of PFF, he's at number two right behind Christian McCaffrey overall for running backs. So uh, good bets for this weekend, NFL Week 10, Costos. Yeah, I, I love that ranking, by the way. He wasn't even the best quarterback in the game he played in on Sunday. Stafford was better, but yeah, sure, Carr was the number one quarterback, whatever. Um, as it concerns tonight's game, um, <laughs> I, I think the side is pretty hard to pick in this game. Like, I kind of lean towards the Chargers, but the Raiders have been pretty good, though, so I actually think this is a really tough game to call, and um, I do want to give you guys the line movement. So the Raiders opened as the favorite around minus one and a half or, or two, and um, the Chargers got hit with sharp money immediately pushing them to where they're at now as a uh, as a one-point uh, road favorite. I mean, I call it a road favorite, but I mean, it's like fucking you know, California, whatever. Um, Raiders fans actually have been showing up and showing out to Oakland, so I, it will be a home field advantage for the Raiders. Um, the play I like in this game, I like the over, which is currently 49, um, and I also like the Chargers team total over, and I believe both team totals are like 24, 24 and a half. That's what they were at last night. I think the Chargers are going to find a lot of success in this game now. I like what Shane Steichen is, the new offensive coordinator for the Chargers after taking over the quarterback's coach after Wizenhunt got canned. Um, I thought he called a really nice game last week for the Chargers, and I think that I think that he probably knows that their best method of moving the ball on this Raiders defense, which is very stout against the run, will be in the short passing game. So I look for Rivers to have a, mo a monster game. Keenan Allen, who really has not had a great season by his own lofty standards. I think he's going to have a good game today. Hunter Henry will have a good game. Austin Eckler in the past game. And Melvin Gordon looks like he's finally in football shape now um, after the uh, the ill-fated holdout. So um, as far as the side's concerned, I lean towards the Chargers. Probably won't bet on a side in this game. But I do like the over. And I also like the Chargers team total over as well. I think the Chargers hit like 27 points in this game tonight. Tucker, you? I like it. Um, all right, give me your, give me, uh, let's get some college football. So we'll do it, uh, you know, in, in order of when the games are played. So we got you on Thursday night football Saturday. Do you have something on Penn state, Minnesota? And if not, you got to give us your, your play. If you have one for LSU and Bama. Oh yeah. So, so the Penn state, Minnesota game. So I actually like, so when I'm doing like my, I'm like doing my research early in the week and I'm looking at these games and I'm actually looking at it and I'm like, I kind of like Penn state, but it's kind of a tougher spot right on the road here. Like maybe like I, I think PJ Fleck's a great coach. And by the way, how about PJ Fleck? You want to talk about the finesse God, PJ Fleck? Like they've basically beaten like eight fucking like high school teams to go eight. No. And then the Florida state coach, Willie Taggart gets fired. And then he's rumored for the job and he gets a massive contract extension. Good for PJ Fleck rowing the boat all the way to a, to a bigger bank account. Good for him. Um, so I kind of wanted to make the case for Minnesota a little bit as a home underdog, but literally guys, it's unanimous. Every pro better, every odds maker that we've had on you better, you bet this week. And we have like, like two a show, every single show. And it's, a, the, I think the content's great, obviously it's unanimous. No one thinks Minnesota is going to cover this spread. Not one person has made a case for Minnesota. And we have had a number of pro betters come on and be like, Penn state's going to absolutely kill them. And this is a major step up in class for Minnesota to have to face Penn state. So Penn state is the only way that I would look in this game. It's a lay it or don't play it with the Nittany lions, especially where we sit right now with the spread under seven with Penn state minus six and a half. So again, just pass it along the information. I don't know if I'm going to have like a huge bet on Penn State, but everyone that we've talked to this week thinks that Penn State is the right side in this game against Minnesota. And as for LSU Alabama, this is a trickier game. Now, based on all the news that we've heard this week and kind of reading the tea leaves, it does seem like Tua Tungavailoa is going to play in this game for Alabama, which complicates things obviously, right? So where we were at earlier in the week was if Tungavailoa doesn't play, and Mac Jones has to play. Mac Jones is the backup. The line would probably drop to Alabama minus three and a half. And at that point, I would be all over Alabama. So if that happens and you get Alabama at three or three and a half, even if it's Mac Jones, I would lay it with Alabama. And where I'm sitting right now, it's kind of hard to come on and like really pound the table for Alabama right now, not knowing what Tonga Vailoa's health status is going to be out. But if he's out there, I don't know that he really has to do much to find some success in this game. And I go back to the Texas LSU game earlier in the year, and LSU outscored Texas in that game. But Sam Ellinger was able to find success on this LSU second. Secondary. 
Tua Tagovailoa is going to do the same thing. Alabama's wide receivers are absolutely outrageous. I don't think he really has to move around in the pocket a lot. Just get the ball to these receivers. Let them do the work. You know, I think that as fans, we want to see Alabama lose, right? We want to see Duke lose. We want to see the Yankees lose, unfortunately for me as a Yankees fan. So I think that LSU is a public dog in the sense, right, that people want to see the Death Star go down. And I think that people are going to want to bet on LSU because of that. And Burrow maybe for the Heisman Trophy here. But it's like that great rant. If you guys watch True Detective Season 1, that one episode that ends with Matthew McConaughey as Russ Cole cutting up the beer can and saying that in real life, the nightmares sometimes, like the monsters, the bad guys, the boogeymen win. I think the boogeymen are going to win on Saturday. I'm looking to lay it with Alabama. I think Alabama wins, and I think Alabama wins by double digits against LSU. Wow. I don't know about that. That would be very, very interesting. We'll see. This Tua stuff is fascinating to me on so many levels. What about, Nick, Sunday football, NFL? You and I will be talking about it, of course, on You Better You Bet Sunday edition, 9 a.m., to 1 p.m., four big hours of NFL betting conversation. We'll talk more about it then, Nick, but for the home-and-home audience, give me your uh, one or two favorite bets for Sunday. Oh, and by the way, um, the producer for that show, Eli Herskovich, will be booking like 9 million guests for that show because you want to talk about about seven games in four hours. Good luck. We're going to be loaded with guests. It's going to be a guest Sunday on You Better You Bet for the NFL. I can't wait for it. Um, As far as Sunday is concerned, some games that I like. Um, I I can't believe I'm going to say this. I kind of like the Falcons getting 13 points in New Orleans to cover that spread. Um, and I know that that may sound crazy, and maybe it is. Divisional game, though, and I know, like, what the Falcons did is kind of ridiculous, you know, like, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Like, Dan Quinn keeps his job, and their solution is like, okay, well, you were coach Raheem Morris was coaching this position, now you get to coach this position. Like, that was their solution, was to move around position coaches. Like, I've never heard of anything like that. But I think Matt Ryan is, go- is probably going to play in this game from everything that we've heard. I think he's going to come out and play well. This is their Super Bowl, and I understand this is kind of a narrative, but, like, I think they're going to be able to put points up on the board. And, like, people are like, oh, Marshawn Lattimore is going to shut down Julio Jones. Like, if you've been paying attention, Julio kills the Saints every time he plays them and kills Lattimore every time he plays them. So I think Matt Ryan's going to find success. I like Julio in this game. I like to play those guys in DFS this week. I think that's a contrarian move. We had Evan Silva from Establish the Run on last night on You Better You Bet. I know he's been on with you, Ross, a million times. And he was saying Falcons are a contrarian stack this week because everyone's going to play the Saints in Daily Fantasy. I'm looking to play Matt Ryan. I'm looking to play Julio Jones. And I think Austin Hooper against the Saints defense is going to score a touchdown on Sunday. So I like the over in the Falcons-Saints game, and I think the Falcons are going to keep this relatively close. Saints will win the game, but I like the Falcons to cover the number. And one other game that I really like, this is another one that I'll sound crazy for. Every single sharp better, pro better, odds maker that we've had on this week, unanimous. Joe O and I last night on the show, guys, were talking about this. We kind of couldn't believe it. And I said it on Monday. I actually bet this game on Monday because I kind of looked at the card and I'm like, I think this is going to be the game that like everyone's going to be on this week. Like the like quote unquote sharp betters will be on. Every single pro better that we ask, where's the value this week? They've all unanimous have had the same answer. And that's the Cincinnati Bengals as a double-digit underdog at home and Ryan Finley's first start against the Baltimore Ravens. Now, hear me out here, because I bet the Bengals on Monday getting the 10 points. I know it sounds nuts, because you, and I'm talking to you, the person listening or watching this right now, you, you just watched the Ravens beat the Patriots by 17 on Sunday night. You have been caught up in this media cycle here in the narrative of Lamar Jackson's now the MVP and the Ravens are a Super Bowl contender. You, the last time you heard about the Bengals, is that they are now the worst team in the league, not the Miami Dolphins, not the Washington Redskins, and they are in the catbird seat for the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And you know that Andy Dalton is benched and Ryan Finley will be making his first ever NFL start on Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens. And you're going to bet the Ravens. And I'll bet you that if you asked all your friends, who are you going to take on Sunday, Ravens or Bengals, they're all going to take the Ravens. Do you think that all those hotels in Las Vegas and casinos and that fountain in front of the Bellagio is really nice? Or the Palazzo, I don't fucking know, whatever. Do you think they all appeared out of thin air? No. Bengals are going to cover that spread on Sunday. I don't know how it's going to happen, but Cincinnati will cover on Sunday as a 10-point home underdog against Baltimore. Wow, I don't know about that one. I mean, that that is an awful team top to bottom and may just win Ross Tucker's answer of who the biggest dumpster fire in the NFL is. Of course, the Browns are close to being factored into this conversation. And before you go, got to get your take on your lookalike. Baker Mayfield, of course, everyone knows Costos is a splitting image with the Browns quarterback. We talked about that last Big week. Big compliment to Baker. On the program. 
Big compliment to Baker. Uh, but Baker on Sunday did something rather unusual. Showed up to the field in a beard, shaved to a must a, a handlebar mustache, lost the game, then shaved to a dirty sort of porn stash and dressed like a homeless person afterwards. Here's how he explained it yesterday to the media. The quarterbacks had a Movember um, mustache. And the original thought for me, do the handlebars, I was undefeated before Sunday with the handlebar mustache, so I shaved it off because I didn't deserve it. What do you make of your twin shaving twice on game day? I feel bad for him, man. He's in Shawshank right now, and Freddie Kitchens is the warden, and he got to break out of prison, man. They got to fire this dude. He's worse than Hugh Jackson, and I don't even say that glibly. I think there's a chance Freddie Kitchens is the worst coach in the history of the National Football League. He does shit actively on game day every week to benefit the other team. He's an idiot. He needs to give the play calling to Todd Munkin and just manage the game because he is horrendous at both right now, both at play calling and managing the game. What he did in the second half of the loss last week in Denver is is like there should be a federal investigation. Um, that third and five in the third quarter when he ran to, with Dontrell Hilliard, like if you're going to run, you run with Nick Chubb, not with fucking Dontrell Hilliard, idiot. And then going for that fourth down where Baker probably got the first down and the referees overturned it. That's another situation that the refereeing is the worst it's ever been. That's a fucking disgrace as well. Kick the field goal, you idiot. And then at the end of the game, you get to kick the field goal instead of going for it on fourth down and you win instead of losing. But he sucks. He's fucking terrible. Baker Mayfield last year, guys, set the rookie record for touchdown passes with 27. I think Baker is still a stud. I think that Baker has terrible coaching right now. And once Freddie gets fired, I think Baker's going to be all right. So I think Baker's clearly in his own head. Obviously with this shit, he's like, he's like a better version, a smarter version of Mitch Trubisky at this point when it comes to this shit. But he's awesome. He's going to be fine. Get Freddie Kitchens the fuck out of Cleveland. And I think Baker Mayfield's going to be okay. Next sentence, give me the Bills getting three in Cleveland on Sunday. I think that Nick likes Baker Mayfield because they look so similar. I think the guy's a head case. I really do. I mean, shaving like th- shaving like three different times the week after you had a meltdown with the reporter that was asking you a question. I think I think he can't handle it. I think he lacks poise both on and off the field. And I think it's going very south very quickly. Do I think Freddie Kitchens is a good coach? No. But Baker Mayfield is in his own head at this point. He has not played well. He's got the worst stats in the NFL with a clean pocket. The worst stats of any quarterback in the NFL when the pocket's clean. That's in his head. What's that? Was that Sinead O'Connor? It's in your head. That's in not the line. No. That's, no, no, that's the cranberries. Yeah. Cranberries. Yeah. Zombie. Zombie. Great song. Oh, uh, boy. What is it, that is, that is a... Zombie. Zombie. Oh, zombie. 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 It's in your head. In Baker's head. But Costos likes them because they look alike. But they're both head case is, is. Oh, I'm a head, listen, I'm a head case for sure. And I'm very, very concerned with my physical appearance. So I kind of get the shaving thing. You probably felt like you looked like shit and wanted to take care of it. I would have done the same thing. But no, yeah, you know um, Baker's going like to be shit? fine. You know when he looked like shit? After the game when he met with the media and looked like Chester the molester. That's when he looked like shit. <laughs> he looked like Oliver Twist, like asking for more gruel. Really bad luck. Like, I don't know. I, I feel, I, look, you might be right. Dorsey might be a clown. I think Dorsey actually is a clown. Kitchens is obviously a clown. I still have faith in Baker Mayfield. Not just because we look alike. I have faith in Baker because I think Baker's really good. Like, you don't throw 27 touchdown passes as a rookie and then, like, the next year, like, you're the worst fucking quarterback of all time. They're, like, there's something going on there. I think it's a bad offensive line, and I think it's a terrible head coach. That's what I attribute it to. I think he can still win, but the tape is out. The tape is out. They know his tendencies. He does the same things under pressure, does the same things in the pocket. I think the tape is out there, and he ain't going to improve, to your point, under Freddie Kitchens. Nick Costos has to leave us. He does so after one, two, three, four, I mean, 41 uh, curse words in an hour. That's pretty good. I, I thought at one point you would keep your one per minute average, but that's a pretty solid performance. Well done, Nick Costos. Great to see you, Baker. Enjoy the four-hour You Better, You Bet on Sunday. You folks don't want to miss it. Oh, you bet. You bet you're going to enjoy that.
One of my Cheers, yeah, buddy. I like I like the the one minute um the one curse per minute average. Um, I'm gonna go take care yeah. of the one load per day average, guys. I'll talk to you next time. One load, load management. That is the See theme ya. of the day for Nick Costos. Go manage your load. We're gonna take a quick break here. When we come back, Ross Tucker will answer the question: Who deserves the award that I have the the crown that I will devote? to the worst organization top to bottom in the NFL right now. Ross is going to break that down. Also, where is Cam in 2020? And should or could Odell Beckham Jr. get traded? New report suggests that is possible. Quick break here. We're back in a minute. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.